What is good everyone, Emil here with the pre-show of episode 36 and I have some infos for you. Why Your World Matters is nearly done. We will probably release that either next week or the week after that. Then also WDM has opened ad slots on the show. You will hear in this episode the first of such ads. And if you want in on this deal and get an ad for yourself on this podcast, direct message us on Twitter and we will talk about the rest. I will also appear on another episode of Maka Unchapped, which is a podcasting special with Ellie from Dice Drop, Tyler from Magic Missile and Homie and the Dude. And Marka, obviously, as well as Josh. And yeah, I will inform you guys when that is out. And with that, there's not much left for me to do but to ask you guys to give us a nice review on your podcasting platform to get the show out there. We seriously appreciate the support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, have fun with episode 36, Note-Taking. <laughs> That's Korean. At least I hope so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hello, I everyone. Didn't that. Welcome to Hi. episode 36 of WDM Podcast. I have watched Squid Game. <laughs> <laughs> I started too, actually, yesterday. Oh, oh, okay, so I won't spoil anything. For for those of the listeners who don't know, and I don't know how you don't know, Squid Game is the new worldwide hit on Netflix. It's this Korean thriller, which yeah. I love Korean TV. Not K-dramas. Well, I have not watched any K-dramas, so I can't say that, but I love Korean TV and movies. Like, Parasite was amazing. I actually haven't watched that many korean shows or movies or anything like this so this is one of my first i'm watching oh, korean but I'm, but, but I'm into it koreans and i'm <laughs> i don't want to insult any koreans here obviously but they have this very weird way of telling these thriller stories i i explicitly love thriller stories from uh like squid game or parasite like, half of the time you sit there, wow, this is amazing. And the other half of the time you're, what the fuck is going on, Korea? True. Yeah. What's in your fucking brains? Yeah, that sums, sums the feeling up I have watching uh, mm -hmm. or after I watched the first few episodes of Squid Game. Uh -huh. It was awesome thriller stuff. And then on the other hand, like, heh, I, I don't know what is happening. Why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's weird. Yeah. But in a good way, I think. I mean, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, at least it's fun. That's true. No. Yeah. So, how are you? We haven't talked about that yet. I'm good. That's good. Did anything good happen to you this week? Or Well, this week was... In general, it was a roller coaster, I think, already, and we have Thursday. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ho I'm, I'm hoping for the next few days, but... Oh, boy. Monday... Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Woo. Yep. That was fun. Tuesday. Woo. Or, or Tuesday, Wednesday. Woo. Twitch. Ah. <laughs> the internet yeah. is not safe. 
Yeah, it definitely isn't. <laughs> oh, it's been so much fun reading everything. Yeah, all all the drama that happened. I uh, read a meme online where, I mean, Oculus, the Oculus store and stuff is also from Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I read just that imagine someone. someone being stuck in the Oculus. It's like something like Sorad online. You, uh, I can't yeah, find yeah. the lockout button. Where is it? Yeah, there was a viral tweet on this. Uh, you were joking about the Facebook going down, but remember, all those that were logged into an Oculus are now stuck in there. And if they die in game, they die in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I literally cracked up at that show. Yeah. It's hooey, boy. Yeah, it, it was a wild week. Okay, but let's talk about the elephant in the room with the Twitch leaks. The most paid Twitch stream of that period i think it's three years back to october 2019 is not a gamer not a hot top streamer it's critical role that's that that's insane i expected them like when i heard about the list i expected critical role to be the top 10 even top five but not top one yeah that, that, that that's that i'm gonna say that i did not expect them to be the top one i knew that they were since like three years ago have always been in the top 10 of Twitch subs, and they only stream once a week. So that that's an achievement in and of itself. But that money... I, I mean, it, it's a lot. It, it, it is a lot. That's all you gotta say. It, it's a lot It's a lot of money. Yeah. The, the thing about it is, like, we both always knew Critical Role is a company, right? We've never, never, never been in this position of saying, oh, they're just a Twitch stream of friends playing D&D. No, they're professional actors, professional voice actors that started out as a group in a network. Geek and Sundry wasn't just a channel. They, they, they streamed on Geek and Sundry before. That, yeah. that, that already in and of itself was a company, a, a network or something like that. So yeah, it's always been this way. Yes, they've, they've, they are a friend group and that's okay. They, they are a friend group and I turn into Critical Role for a good story, but also for good chemistry between the players, right? Yeah. But they are not my friends. They are not just simple my entertainment for four hours a week. They are a multi-million dollar media company that has their start of the next campaign on the 21st. And I'm excited for that. Yes, I am. And it's going to be in theaters in the US, which is another whole thing to unpack. Like I haven't heard about this yet. You haven't seen the announcement? I haven't yet. I have heard when it is going to be uh, starting. Yeah. And a little bit about it, but I haven't heard about it. In, in, the... in the state of the ro state of the role or whatever they call it, they said that the first episode is going to be broadcasted in cinemas across the US. Wow. Okay. That's huge. My theory behind this is they also take off one week, w one day in the month. The last Thursday of every month is going to be taken off. It's been said that it's a break for Matt Mercer to, to get extra prep and mental health breaks and whatnot. That is probably true, but you can't tell me that they will let, leave that spot open. That's like one quarter of all their airtime. They won't leave mm. that spot unattended. Probably it, not. It will be. In, in 2022, there will be something there. But I can't imagine them leaving that spot open. Yes, Matt will probably not DM. But it's also a good thing for him to play because he seemed very happy playing EXU because he finally got to play longer than one shot. But also, you've seen in EXU a lot of new talent. And I mean, all of the new cast members were incredible in the two episodes I watched. So I would love to see them again. I just didn't like the feel of EXU. 
I, I I couldn't I can't describe it. It wasn't really anything particular. I just didn't feel like watching it. Maybe I don't even know. I'm, I'm not that hyped for season three of Critical Role either. So maybe I'm just out of this, and it, it's diminishing for me. That can be as well. But I'm I'm very much hoping that there will be something. I would love to see some diversity, and I hope that at least if if that spot is filled, that that then that spot will feature a, a very diverse cast and not just the main cast switching through roles or something. I, I want yeah. to see different people on the screen. That that that's my one wish for that spot because I don't think that spot is gonna be left open. Yeah, no it, chance. It, it, it wouldn't make any sense to leave that spot completely free. Yeah, or just don't stream at all or anything like this. Yeah. It just wouldn't make any sense. But mm. seeing a different type of cast completely, maybe even without any of the main cast, mm. could be interesting. Yeah. Like some sort of mini campaign or stuff going on in between with a completely different set of DM or a complete different set of cast mm. and all this kind of stuff. Or even a completely different system could work as well. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see them. Like they are, when you look at it, they they are not a new company by all means. Mm. They've been around since 2015, 16. I don't know when they started streaming on Geeket Sundry. But the thing about it is, right? They've only had two really pro two real programs. Campaign one, campaign two. So and now the thing for me becomes EXU was them trying out a different, a completely different formula. From my experience, that, that is what media companies do. They try out different concepts. Till they find a new one that works. So I'm gonna I'm pretty sure that they will try other concepts. Definitely. Until they settle on something that they think is good to broadcast. And I mean not campaign three. That that that's more or less their old formula. The main cast playing a long campaign of DD. Probably with a lot of changes in comparison to the other two campaigns. Yes. But they will also try something completely different. Be that one shots. Be that time for a mini campaign broadcasted every month. Be that co something completely different. They 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 are also not 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 a, not 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 a live streaming company anymore, theoretically, or a D or or a actual play TTRPG company. They are media company. They have a TV yeah. series more. They have an Amazon Prime series coming. Right with the Kickstarter, they had Legend of Vox Machina. That's not TTRPG. That yes, that's adjacent. They have books, comics. They are a multi-million-dollar media yeah. company that is probably gonna branch out even more. And I have a very bold prediction. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to hear it. I can see them that that cinema deal they had right mm -hmm. to, to broadcast the first episode is not to just make fun viewing experience for your audience yes obviously true as well but that's not the main reason why why they would do this i think and this whoa bold prediction is they're testing the waters if they can also get the people into cinemas for an actual movie with yeah. their name on it yeah putting critical role on a f movie poster and seeing if them broadcasting like a three hour 50 minute animated movie of let's say the campaign two some some kind of campaign two movie mm -hmm. some side story in campaign two if i think they are actually testing the waters with this this is their first attempt at testing the waters right they, they have a tv series an animated series coming i can see them making movies as well yeah. and now comes my boldest prediction of them all <laughs> 
video games are not off the table for them. D definitely. I I'm not saying that that actually is working, but, but looking at it, they are a media company. The STTRPGs may be their main focus. It's where they came from, but they have a TV series, they have books, comics, they have... And, and then the next things I can think of is movies and video games. And let, let, let's face no. it, that's an, a branch of the, the field they have worked in. They are voice actors. They have voiced video game characters. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they hire an indie developer to make them a game in Exandria? Why not? Why not make an Exandria RPG? Like, yeah. right? They won't make an, make an MMO. That would be sick, probably, but no. <laughs> but I can see them making like a 20-hour, 30-hour story-focused RPG in their world. Hmm. And I mean, it's all based on the start where they came from, from TTRPGs. Yeah. It's all based on the lore and worlds they yeah. created through that TTRPG stuff, but it mm -hmm. isn't restricted mm -hmm. only to TTRPGs anymore. Yeah. What I want to say about all of this is one big thing. I don't know what I think of this, of these predictions I have. That's the thing, right? I'm, I'm not saying that, that I would love this or that I would hate it, but it's something that I can see. It's it's not it's mm -hmm. not a, it's not an impossibility or a 100 for me, but I wouldn't be surprised if in two years they announce Exandria on no, no, not Exandria Unlimited. That's the series they have. Release Exandria Chronicles, the mm -hmm. video game set in Exandria. I can see that happening. And yeah, I mean, I wish them the best. They are they are cool people, but we will have to see what comes of this. And this leak has just been more information to that idea that they are definitely brewing something. But if they because if they make nine million in three years only off Twitch, that, that's not counting merch, Kickstarter, investments, sponsors, yeah. anything. That's only Twitch. They have they need to have big ideas with that money. I think and not only do they need to, I think they already have yeah, that, that's what I mean. I'm not. I'm not saying they need to because they would die otherwise or something. It's yeah. more they need to have because I just can't see a world where they wouldn't have. I can't see Matt Mercer jumping off in a pool of dollar yeah. bills. Uh, exactly. With that money. I, I don't. I don't see him doing that. You try to gather and um, money to make something happen. I think th this is the vibe I'm getting off from them as a company and as individuals mm. they're not like dagobert duck or anything it's just <laughs> no you have the money and they want uh, they have the money and they want to do with something with it mm. yeah and i think they will i'm excited for what is happening around this mm. or what is going to come from them and yeah we will see we will see definitely i'm, I'm excited to see what comes i don't exactly. know what what's gonna come so yeah shall we get into it yeah but first we hear a word from our sponsors hi I'm Matthew from Abyssal Brews, and I'm here to talk to you about travel. Travel in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition is often either a series of rolls on a random encounter table, or relegated to a montage to simply get past it. Exploration is one of the core pillars of D&D, but the mechanics simply don't work with the system. That's why we at Abyssal Brews have created Campfire, an elegant homebrew travel system for 5th Edition. It resolves travel in 15 minutes while also having plenty of room for added roleplay. It brings creative skill use and neatly slots into any type of campaign, whether it's an official adventure or a homebrew setting. Meaningful windfalls and hardships keep travel impactful without stealing the show. It's out now on Coffee, DriveThruRPG, Itch.io, and Roll20. Hello and welcome back from our break. We are back with you to talk about the topic today. What is the topic today? Note-taking, my friend. Note-taking, note-taking. So we're talking about notes <laughs> so yes, the thing we do because 
GTRPGs are also sometimes called pen and paper games or pen and paper role-playing games, right? Yeah. That more or less pen and paper implies not taking you write something down you to remember it because for most people in the world, if they write something down, they remember it better in it of itself, but they also have something to look at if they forget, right? That's exactly. why you take notes. I, I don't have to explain why note take, why, why people, why people take notes all the time. But I think it's important to look at that when people take notes, everyone takes them differently, right? Nobody takes the notes the same way. So if I take notes, I can already tell you you won't be able to decipher my notes because I take my notes in a very cryptic way because yeah. I need to pay attention to what is happening, right? The thing is about when I'm in university, I take notes of the lecture, but I take them the way that I can still pay attention to the lecture and get every note because that when the prof writes something down, I obviously need to wait till it's written down so I can write it down, right? So so I'm a little bit yeah. behind them. And I need to take my notes so that I stay that I stay on top of things in the lecture still, right? And, yes. and, and that's the same for TTRPGs. You take notes, but you still need to stay on the topic, right? Note-taking shouldn't distract you from the session you actually want to play. Exactly. So I think the biggest question becomes what or, or how important is note-taking actually? I think it depends on your position. If you are the GM, I think it is very, very important because you need to keep track of what is happening with the group and around the group in the world. You need to cross-link your notes of the, the session with the plans of the world and your general structure of the adventure you are planning. So you can link them back in and create a good story around it. But as a player, it just is basically a quality of life. You don't necessarily need to write down every single detail about the world. So it is not that important just to write down some passwords or something like this for your secret code handshake or whatever. So the amount of notes is vastly different between a GM and a player. And so is the importance of notes, I think. Now, here comes the thing, right? Note taking is important, in my opinion, for both sides. When you take notes, that's going to improve your quality of life because you can run a game without taking notes, obviously. Yeah. You can play a game without taking notes. They can also play a game and take notes that improve your quality of life. Same goes for the GM. Notes are a tool to help you, right? They are not meant to be a barrier. And I think there comes the most important part about the importance. While we say that note-taking is important, it's not a necessity to play the game. Exactly. The thing is, for example, if you are a GM and you don't take notes, that does not make you a bad GM. If you're a player and don't take notes, that does not make you a bad player. That just makes you a different player and not even a bad one. For example, I run my games and I would say that I require note-taking. Not that I require, but my style, how I run my games requires my players to try to keep up. And they take notes for that. If you don't take notes at my table, I that's not a necessity. You don't have to take notes. I, I don't care, right? My playstyle still uh, accommodates you, even if you don't take notes. Though I will say... A note-taking player is something I will take. I love players that take notes because that's what they can do, right? Yeah, <laughs> for, it, for me, it the just thing makes is, it easier. Yeah, for me, the thing is, 
Note-taking should never become a necessity. It comes with my philosophy of if the players forget something, their characters didn't. Exactly. Why should they? Right? If we take a month-long break between sessions and they forgot what was happening, that's not on the characters. They didn't spend a month away from the game or from the world. They didn't. They are in the world. They wouldn't forget it. Yeah, the thing they were remembering was like five minutes ago in-game. Yeah. But out of game, like one yeah. and a half months. Yeah. So that's the difference. What I can understand by people is, for example, if it's something that ha happened a long, long time in the game ago, mm -hmm. that they ask for an intelligence check. To, so they may, might recall not everything about it, but recall the gist of it and maybe need to do a research again. That is fine. The thing is, what I hate is if you as a GM basically block your players from something just because the players forgot. Because the characters just wouldn't. Just yeah. give them the information again. I don't yeah. understand why you want to make your players' life miserable. Like, if it's... I'm talking out of a D&D perspective here. Because if it would be a mechanic in the game that player knowledge is character knowledge or whatever, right? Then, then I can understand that, right? If there's something in the game rules that basically goes against what I'm saying right now, just don't ignore what I'm saying. But generally, I don't want to make my players life miserable because they have a life, a job outside the game we are playing and maybe didn't take a note of this, right? Exactly. I encourage my players to take notes. I say, yes, take notes. Please do. But if they don't, I don't make their life miserable for that. And I know someone asked, so what about note-taking? When I, when I said that you don't hide crucial information again from your players, just give it again if they forget something. Someone asked, what about note-taking? Is it just useless at your table? And I'm like, no. The players that do take notes get their time to showcase that they paid attention and took notes. But if my players all forget that the villain is gonna destroy the city in like five days and they go into the city and do two days of bullshit because they didn't know, then the moment the BBE comes and I say, haha, got you, my players are gonna feel miserable and I don't yeah, want that. That's mm. Why would you punish your players for that? It's, it's a simple forgetting. It happens all the time. Like those people that say if the players forget something, the characters forget something. If you ever forget something in your life and ask for an apology, I will just pull the middle finger and say fuck you because that's what you do. Yeah. Like if you forget an appointment with your doctor or with your family or whatever and, and, and apologize for that, then you can't say to your players, if you forget it, it didn't happen because that meeting with your family didn't happen after your logic so yeah right it's just, don't yeah don't be a dick to your players just because they forgot something i'm ranting right now but i want to now comes yeah. the thing about player attention right people always say well if they don't pay attention i should show them that they have to pay attention yes but you don't do that through punishing them you do that through a talk with them talk to them like for example that this comes up in the phones at the table debate i don't know your opinion on it but i believe you allow phones at your table right or or you don't forbid them at least i, I don't forbid them i ask my players to don't get distracted too yeah. much and if they do i ask them hey i know it's hard but please try to keep the phone away then but i don't yeah. forbid them yeah. straight away so the thing is there's currently a debate it's always going on about phones at the table right and some people say forbid them and now i don't have adhd and those people also don't because they would know that if you have adhd and especially a certain type of adhd that i don't know the name of right now you sometimes need your phone as a focus you need you need your phone as, as a certain focus for your brain so you have something to pay attention to while yep. you still can keep the world around you in your head 
right? They don't yeah. understand that those people need the phone to actually pay better attention in the game. Yeah. So, like, if you want your players to pay better attention, taking the phone away isn't always the best idea. Yes, in some cases it may be. Okay, so, right, because we are note-taking and there shouldn't be a necessity at the table. My only requirement for my players is to not be a dick and to want to be there. The willingness to play with the people there, to play the game we are playing, and to commit the time we have. So, when we meet for a four-hour session and my players want to be there, that takes care of everything you have as a problem when you say take the phone away, it, it distracts. Because if my players want to be there, they don't want to look at their phones while the game. If a player needs to look at their phone, for example, even I have players that work more or less freelance, that they don't have a certain work schedule, that, that yep. when their boss calls, need to answer that call and can say, I can do that in three hours. I'm currently something doing something else. And the boss says, okay, I have a player that when they get a call, need to answer that call. If I say exactly. take the phone away, I would maybe even risk him losing his job and I can't do that. Yeah, because life happens. You can't change life. You have to plan your free time or your free time activities like D&D around your life, not your life around your free time activities. Yeah, I don't pay my players, so I can't ask of them to also honor a certain contract we have. Yes, we have a social contract of being nice and wanting to be there, but a work call, a call from your girlfriend is more important than my game. And I understand if you have to answer that call or that text. That's yeah. why I don't have a problem with people using their phones to chat. If they, however, browse Reddit for an hour at the table, then okay, yes, that's a problem. But not the phone is the problem. The player itself is the problem. They exactly. don't pay attention. And if you take the phone away, they will find a different way to don't pay attention. They don't want to be at your table. That's a talk you need to have. That has nothing to do with the phone being the distraction. The player is actively searching for a distraction. The phone is the easiest one. Taking it away yeah. only makes their search harder for a distraction. It won't solve the problem. Please talk to your players. Talk to them about why they don't pay attention. Ask them. Be respectful and compassionate about them. Ask, okay, you've not been paying a lot of attention lately. I've noticed you staring at your phone. Could you stop with that what do i need to do to make the game more fun for you so you don't have to stare at your phone for an hour and then the player can say well the thing is it feels like i don't have anything to do in these social interactions and and then you can say okay uh, so we will go about this now this way and then you can plan with that player a way to make your game better for them right yeah and so for everybody in return of that because yeah if one player isn't paying attention it drags the whole group down with it because they just feel unvalued or anything yeah. like this i bet everybody listening has experienced something like this in what shape or form whatever yeah so if you fix the problem with one player it fixes the problem with the group as a whole including yeah. you yeah and i think we should come back to the topic at hand but one thing i want to say one thing yeah. i want to say again yeah, yeah 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 go ahead and if a player after you've tried to solve the problem with them after you've tried that suggestion i made of talking to them and yeah. they still don't pay attention please dms don't think you're not allowed to kick your players. Yeah. I've, I have friends that are not good TTRPG players, period. And I've tried to get them into the game. It didn't work. So I so we stopped playing and I never asked them again to come. If, if they ever come to me and ask, hey, can we play again? I would probably DM a game for them. But if, if a player at your table is not paying attention, is disrupting the table feeling, the table vibe, the table atmosphere, you are allowed to kick them. 
no matter who they are, even if they yeah. are your best friend, talk to them and ask them, hey, it seems like you're not really good fit for this group. So I would ask you to step down or to part ways. We can still play a different game together, but you probably don't fit in this group. Exactly. If they are a good player, they would say, okay, I understand. If they are a good friend, they would say, okay, I understand. Right? Yeah. That, that's what you do. You don't you don't get butthurt over this stuff. The DM works their ass off for the game. So as a player, you can be respectful of that of the GM. And as a GM, in turn, you can be respectful of your players. Please be and i think just not uh, not just can be you should be respectful. yeah that's that's obviously as well and taking the phone example and coming back to the notes i think would be a great way because you can use your phones for note take it isn't yeah is, it is a good tool because you can write stuff you can picture stuff you can take a photograph of the whole table or stuff like that or of everybody else's notes or anything like yeah. this it's awesome and yeah. what i like to use uh, the phone for is for spells mm -hmm. for spell descriptions there are beautiful applications which you can use for that and this helps players who need their phone as a focus for being able to focus on the game a great way because they can focus on the mechanics of their character and the game itself while keeping the focus on the game itself as well yeah i, I mean D&D Beyond is the best example. Like, yeah. if, if if I play in person, I don't have paper on my table anymore for my players. Now, I know some people like that, right? They can, they can like that. But I like if there is the least amount of stuff on the table for, yeah. like... The thing is, when I play games with my friends, and that can be because we are still like 22 years old and are all just grown up half kids. We have kids, too much snack. We have too much snacks on the table. <laughs> yeah. We have drinks on the table and paper on there just clutters everything. And if a glass falls, right, the paper is basically gone. Most phones yeah. are waterproof at this point in time. And the thing about it is, most people don't have the phone laying on the table, so the phone is more or less safe from the drink. Yeah. I can understand why you like paper and i can understand people that like paper really i do it's great i was but this way a long time but i switched to digital note-taking yeah i think especially the pandemic made me also switch because i always had paper on my table and then after discovering dnd beyond really i was like where well, do we need that anymore i just give my players just tell my players here's the app you download you go into your browser there's your character sheet, done. And every yeah. everyone was like, okay, cool, perfect. What do we do now? Now we play. Oh, even digital rolling. That's also great. If if a player forgets their dice. Yeah, perfect. But the the note-taking thing with digital is, I think I, I fell in love with OneNote. I just mm -hmm. fell in love with this program because it helps me keep track of all my notes and cross-link it in such a easy or organic way for me. I could just use it like I would use pen and paper to take notes, but cross-link different pages. Mm. Which I can't do on paper, which made yeah. me switch between those two mediums. I, I DM just... with a tablet, right? I don't mm -hmm. DM like if I DM even in person. I have my tablet with me. I, I still need to find it for when we play again uh, this month <laughs> <laughs> um, because I didn't use it at all. Because it's also my university tablet, right? And mm -hmm. OneNote is on there, right? And I have a pen that I can write on. And basically, that's how I sit there. I sit with the tablet in the hand and write with the pen. And OneNote can actually translate my handwriting into actual text that I can yeah, then copy onto awesome. my PC. And and then I obviously read over it because there are some mistakes because my A's and U's are very similar to one another. One note sometimes switches them but generally it has a very good it, it can identify nearly every handwriting and that's such a good way because you can DM out of house with OneNote. Like OneNote is the best tool I have found with D&D Beyond to DM out of house, right? 
where yeah, I don't have awesome. my all of my stuff on my PC right next to me here. If I if I go to a friend's house and DM there, I only need the tablet with OneNote on it, D&D Beyond, so I need an internet connection. And then I can also open my OneDrive where I have all my other saved documents like pictures or music. And that's when I where I can pull the rest from. But I only need OneNote. And then I come home, open OneNote here again, and it syncs with my actual PC and I can pull every node there, pull it into my campaign planning and use it there. And that's yeah, exactly. such a beautiful way to work, right? Yeah. There are other tools that do that as well for you, right? You don't have to use OneNote if you don't want to, but OneNote is, for me, one of the best tools I've ever used. Yeah, it's a free tool. It syncs with every possible device you have. And what I like about it is I use a, a laptop usually because I don't have a tablet where, where I can write on. But even if I don't have an in internet connection with my PC, I still have OneNote linked on my phone. So mm. I can, in a ditch, I can just write the notes down there and then it syncs to my PC as well. And then later to yeah. the laptop. It's just yeah. it's just interconnected and th this makes it so great. Yeah. Just I mean, the syncing part of your notes is, is, is just great. You can't say anything about it. So especially now, I want to ask you as a fellow DM, how do you take notes as a DM? Obviously not in the middle of my explanation of stuff and not in the direct answer of my players because I need to react to this. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, when they talk between themselves about what is happening, I like to take notes in this time frame yeah. and about the basic things they decided. Mm -hmm. So um, basically what what happened, what I said to them, what they decided, and then after they decided that, I write the, that all down. Oh, this is interesting. I just thought of something. I don't know. I, I probably need to test it, but I'm just going to put this. Make. I think I'm going to make a decision tree for my sessions. Ooh. Start at the top at some point in time. And then ev every time I put a decision in front of them, that, that's somewhat meaningful, right? Every decision is meaningful, but right, if the decision is you enter this room, which point do you go to first do you first talk to this person or this person but the outcome of that will not really matter because yeah, they will still meet this person which is actually important right that's not what we're gonna write down but but every time they make us make a decision that's actually matter i write down all the other options that haven't been taken and the option that has been taken and that's a new starting point for the next decision and yeah. when i do that from the beginning of a campaign or from a gimmick from mm -hmm. the beginning of a point i can get a decision tree for the whole story arc and yeah. then i can in my mind play the next few through the next path from the beginning through if they would have taken that that would have happened maybe that still happens but through a different decision now and through yeah, a different it, it, impact what is, could be awesome about this is you also have a campaign log already through that decision tree yeah you know yeah how the sessions were going at least in a rough terrain so you know which options they choose or they chose when they have when they had the choice and you know what roughly happened in that session that's a good idea i mean i need to play test that as well i will steal yeah that. it still is play testing <laughs> the thing is about it as an it i don't want to say specialist but uh, as an it student i've learned some stuff about trees and decision trees themselves and let me tell you that that's still a lot of work to keep track of and, and yeah. to actually make sense so i wouldn't tell everyone to do that but if you i think it's it's a thought to think about. Think about if you want to do a decision tree, right? I, I will definitely try it because yeah. in most of my campaigns, I have basically a decision tree in my head already, mm -hmm. at least in a rough terrain. So I know if they uh, what they can do. I mean, this is something you need to think of as a DM anyways to give your players the options 
to choose from and why not just for me at least why not just write them down and then see how or if the decision tree i mean you don't even have to present all options right the thing is about the decision tree it only presents a limited number of options per choice Mm -hmm. that's the problem of a decision tree the thing about it is though that in ttrpg you build that reactively you build a reactive decision tree your players make a decision and then you think about what other decisions they could have taken you can even ask them after the session what were your other options here yeah and then you make your players think about it and maybe they learn something from that as well for their characters and the story itself so i think it can be a win-win i definitely need to say though however that's just a thought that came to my head and i definitely want to test that now Mm -hmm. it's not an advice for people to do but I advise you to think about this because I think it can be very interesting to think about this. So especially for me, how I take notes with OneNote, like you said already, is I take notes of especially stuff that... Huh. So the thing is for me, I don't take a lot of notes as a GM, Mm -hmm. but I take important notes. Like the last session, my players uh, arrived at a big capital and I asked them, what are you guys going to do next? They listed some options and I wrote those options down to make my prep. But I also know that when they go when they go to a certain location, everything changes, right? They, they get some information, something new, something different, and all of that changes again. So I only know the first location they're actually going to go. I will prep the others, but I will make a space next to this location for notes what has changed, what this mm-hmm. location changed about their approach now. So yeah, I think especially with notes, in my session notes, where I prep something, I make space for notes of what was changed here mm-hmm. what changed or what so what either changed the location they are in the people that they talk with or what changed the players in this location what changed the players in talking to this npc so that are the big notes i take Th- those are at least the biggest i can think of i'd obviously take also smaller notes like car- like npc names that can be important later mm-hmm. on I, I make notes okay they talked to this npc and this was this and this npc said this it might not be important but the players remember it so i better write it down i make notes of prizes in taverns because i make those up every time for the first time they enter and then i write them down so the prizes yep. don't change for them i mean yep. i've i've one time changed the prizes in a tavern up and my players asked me why and i said well maybe look at the market and they yep. learned that this country faces inflation right now and, and it was <laughs> nice it, it's such a simple change right but but it, but it gives again so much now we again world building if you change the prices in a tavern yeah so that's also what i write down i I write down the simple details that that you don't pay attention to in prep Mm -hmm. and the big strokes of this changed those are my two type of notes as gms what i usually do is the in session notes same as you Mm -hmm. what changed and the small details which i just overlooked in prep or just forgot to write down but after the session i usually wrote down what they did in the session roughly like, yeah. you know, for example, in my last session with one group, they defeated not the big bad, but the big bad of the session. And I wrote down where the uh, guy came from, uh, that they defeated him, and how long the two rests were apart, and how late it is, or what time of day it is, when they finished the session, and what they were tasked to do with next. Mm-hmm. That's what I wrote uh, write down right after the session to go on building the next. Yeah, I think the thing is, especially for the, the big difference between GM and player notes, is players only take in-session notes. Mm-hmm. Right? Some players maybe order their notes, and maybe sometimes fiddle with their notes, but generally GMs also take notes outside the session, which is then called prep. Yeah. You, you take a note 
how do I want to run the session? So yeah, the big difference is GMs take notes all the time. Even like when I'm outside and I don't know what I'm gonna what I'm doing, like I'm getting something to eat and I see something interesting, I whip up my phone, have a note app yeah. and take a note of that. This could be used for this. For example, I live next to a big shopping street in Berlin. Yeah. So when I go there, there are nearly always musicians, right? And at some point, mm -hmm. my brain went, wait, why don't I use street musicians in my games? So now in big cities, in certain districts, especially around the market and the artsy district in one of my capitals, there are always or everywhere street musicians that are playing music and yeah. making the world sound loudly yeah. and, and some of them are good some of them are bad some of them are beloved npcs already some of them are hated it's just it's free phenomenal. npcs yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like to use something similar but not uh, i obviously my surroundings when i walk outside but i i'm addicted to music basically and every time i listen to music and hear uh, listen to the text and I, sometimes this gives me some sort of inspiration for a story beat i could use and then i just write it uh, write it down real quick with my uh, phone so i had recently listened to a song where the text of the song would perfectly fit a political intrigue or revolution kind of thing within a big city with conquering the the nobles and all that stuff blood in the streets and all this crazy shit but using this these song texts and notes i can then use to create a story arc oh my god i just had a great idea my players okay. are gonna hate me okay <laughs> so fans of chaos players please listen away for the next two to three minutes okay they're gone now okay the thing is i've just realized right in my game there's an uprising there's a revolution Mm -hmm. And they have these street bards. And yeah. obviously they have heard the news. And obviously they are going to change their tunes. And obviously I'm going to write songs now. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, like, I remember Dishonored 2 where you were in Kanaka. And in every level there was at least one bard or one street musician that sang a song about an uprising. About the queen, which was you, the player character, being uh, dethroned being usurped and well now on the run and they they basically sang about how the working class was oppressed by this new usurper by this usurper how you as the queen were betrayed and all of that stuff and i'm not thinking on this i can make these songs as well i'm not a songwriter but i can at least make it feel like there is like culture around this is changing art is now changing because of that yeah uh, right as you said this the first thing that came to my mind was i will ask paul the guy who wrote our intros uh, intro song to on spotify as screw diver exactly and he's going to release some new songs pretty soon i think so keep checking that out but i will ask him to maybe just maybe write some minor little bar tunes that I can just sprinkle in, in as sound effects for my campaigns. They walk through a city and they just hear a bard singing. And then there will be a bard singing about the campaign that is happening or has happened or maybe foreshadowing things if they listen to the background music. Yeah, that may be a thing. That, that, that's an example of using your skill set for D&D, right? Yeah. Like it's not yours, but calls and... and but using your that. friends. Haha. <laughs> 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 It is still a skill set for to my uh, available to me because he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. So it yeah, still exactly. works. Okay, so the thing is, 
the next question is, since we talked about how we take GM notes, what about player notes? What notes do you take as a player? Usually about what ways to get from A to B there are and what possible challenges that could arise there. Mm -hmm. Or the descriptions of NPCs that feel important. Yeah. Okay, so for me, the thing is, as you mentioned NPCs instantly, the biggest thing I find is what I see new players do or new people in note-taking do is writing down names. And I can't tell you how dumb that is. Yes, names are important, right? You should remember the name of an NPC. But if you write down the name, you're going to forget what the name is for. You need to write down what the NPC actually is. So, yeah. okay, let's take one of from my games, Lord Richwater. If you write down Lord Richwater, you will have forgotten in five sessions who that is. But if I tell you Lord Richwater, the richest merchant on the South Coast, who is your friend now, you, who you are supposed to, who you were supposed to protect for like three sessions, you are gonna remember if you write down richest merchant on the coast. Yeah, uh Personally, I would wrote, uh, write down richest merchant on the coast, friend, Lord Richwater. Yeah. These are the three bullet points I would write down. You, you need to write down strokes, feelings, descriptions, not names, not places names. Names don't give you anything, right? Sure, yeah. if a name is high tower and the place is a high tower, that's write all you need tower. to know. Sure. Yeah, but right. the thing is, if high tower is a city that's actually known for its high mages that sit in high towers in the city, you don't get that information from that note. You need yeah. to you need to get note taking, especially as a player for me, is is a craft you need to hone. And if you don't want to hone it, again coming back to what we said in the beginning, you don't have to. You don't exactly. have to take notes. If you want to, try to be get good at it because you are probably not in the beginning. The thing about note-taking is you need to know what is important and what is not because you need to keep up, right? That's what I said, why I said this with the university for me. I need to know what I need to write down and that's the skill you need to have. You, you need to know what you need to write down. And this just comes with practice. You just have to do it to get the feeling for it right. It's basically building your perception or your passive perception about what is important and what is not. Exactly. That's the thing, right? For uh, one of, In one of my games where I'm a player, I take a lot of notes and the GM has a certain NPC reappear as an example. And that NPC talks differently. In my notes, won't be much about what they are actually talking about. But the first thing I'm writing down is is different. Something happened. And then I can listen to what they are saying. Th then they are talking about a certain city. I'm writing down the city. What happened there is my next question. And that is the question I write into my notes. Because then I know this city may have changed this NPC and I need to know what happened. And that's the general information I should get from this talk. Not that the city is somewhat important. That I know, obviously. But the actual thing I should know is the passive stroke this NPC feels different. Why yeah. is that? And what I like to use is, uh, coming back to the names real quick, it just came into mm. my head. I don't use names as notes, but as headlines for different note sections. Yeah. If I want to take notes on the city Hightower, for example, I don't write down city Hightower and then blah, 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 blah. But I use the section Hightower as a headline to then write notes yeah. below that, like yeah. Mage City, Archmages, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. It just um, came into my head. Sorry for yeah. the interruption. As a player, um, as a player, there, there's a big problem of the luxury DMs have in note-taking 
and this might sound weird, but DMs have the luxury to rearrange their notes however they see mm-hmm. fit. Players don't. Players just don't because they don't see the big picture. Yeah. Because if they do, they don't need to take the notes anymore. They, they, the notes are to see the big picture, right? You you need to t- you need to keep track of the details so you can see the big picture after after you've memorized all the details. Exactly. DMs can, however, rearrange notes and 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 switch some stuff up because they know what that note they took is actually supposed to mean. Players don't have the luxury of that. So you need to be very good at structuring your notes. That's why your headliner is so important because then you have a structure. Then you have a block you can actually move later on in the campaign. I've actually had a player cut their notes into certain pieces so they can rearrange them on the table, which I found phenomenal. It kind of ties into the um, theory crafting with the red string and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, it looks weird, but it actually works to mm-hmm. get a little crazy with theory crafting. It, it kind of helps, actually. It's insane. So to the people out there that now want to take notes, we'll advise watch all of Critical Role Season 2 because Marisha Ray is the yeah. best note taker you will find. It's, exactly. Oh my God, right? Ma- basically yep. getting the plot 40 episodes before Matt Mercer actually wanted to reveal it is genius. Okay, well, Matt probably didn't want to reveal it at any point, but right? Yep. He, Marisha took so many notes that, that she needed a new note book that she needed a new notebook after that one and i think she's uh, at the point where i am episode 120 i think she has started her third notebook and is halfway through it already and they, these are thick thick yeah. thick notebooks it's so so the thing is you don't have to do that but you can see why note taking is so important in Beauregard and marisha ray that herself as the character because you can see how important the notes were for the game how 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 they changed the way she plays yeah and that's what you that's what you can pay attention to to this that is a player trait that I love to have at my table, but again, it's not a necessity to have. You can also be Travis Willingham that forgets his own name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what I like to uh, say again, having such a theory crafting, note taking maniac, to say it like this, it can be or it is usually a lot of fun to just theory craft with papers flying everywhere and connecting yeah. different dots. It's just it's just an amazing, amazing amount of fun, usually. Ba- basically, if you want to get better at note taking, watch Marisha, watch what she does, how she writes down and, and what when, when she reads her notes important because then you know what she actually writes down and that's the information that you should need to extract right note taking isn't much about taking the note the writing down is more or less easy but the most important part is again extracting the information that the gm gives you and i know i'm an asshole when it comes to this to my players because i love hidden meanings when they write down five sentences like if my players were fast enough to write down the whole dialogue they have with an npc and read it again and again and again they might see that that npc has sprinkled hidden meanings in there that would blow their minds but they're not (laughs) asshole yeah i know (laughs) but this is exactly the stuff you want if you are in a theory crafting kind of campaign anyways yeah if you are in a campaign with political intrigue and revolting and stuff where hidden meanings are so important you exactly want this to not be that obvious you want the ability but you don't want the ability to read through everything yeah the thing of if my players pick up on those hidden meanings i'm like great yes please do right i don't have a problem with that i don't hide them yeah 
But if they don't, it doesn't really mean a lot. So it, it's not, it's not again, they're missing an opportunity. It's just that they miss a possibility. If yeah. they get it now, they get it. And if they don't, the next hidden meaning will come. And at some point, the re reveal will come. And the hidden meanings only meant that only will change the point of the revealing. And I've talked about this a lot already in plot twists. Listen to plot twist episode, but I don't have to get this out again. I just, if you are a player, learn how to extract information when you want to take notes. If you don't want to take notes, you don't take notes. If you want to try to take them and try to get better at extracting the information your DM actually gives you. Because names are not important if you have the feeling down. Locations are not important if you have what the location provides down, right? Yeah. A location name or a location in general, the description of the location is not important if it's important that there is a dwarven blacksmith there that can give you what you want. That's what you need to write down. Not that exactly. there, that, not that it's a beautiful city. That's not something you need to write down. You will remember that usually naturally these yeah. small little details are actually a thing you will remember in opposition to the things you should remember most of the time. Yeah. Because if you concentrate on the big things, you concentrate on them constantly. And when you don't, that's when it, uh, the thought drops. But yeah. if you just get the information, yeah, okay, the, uh, the house is blue and the city is beautiful with flowers, uh, but there's a blacksmith and blah, blah, blah. You will remember usually a house is colorful and there are flowers around it without even thinking about it. And that's because you can paint a very good mental image of it because you can yeah. envision a blue house and boom, you have a mental image. And the notes help you paint a mental image later on again of something yeah. like right if i if i give you a good description of a dwarf you might remember that dwarf but right the thing is not important that how he looks it's important what he does and exactly. writing that down gives you the mental image of what he does and that's the mental image you need to have three sessions on and, and one thing i would like to add just at the uh, end here yeah. is don't just write down uh, visual cues write down your fee the feelings of your character if you yeah. take notes these are so overlooked how your character feels in the moment. If he's shitting bricks right now or not in the face of a dragon is important. Write this down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Notes, like, again, DMs do notes out of the session. We, we already said that, right? Some players might look at their notes and share them with the other players, but they don't do much thought out of the game because they are supposed to play a character, right? They are not supposed yep. to, to play as themselves. They play a character that in their time they are not there has not done anything. Time is halted when you're not in the game playing. Yeah. So that character is not doing anything, so they won't make a thought. So you shouldn't even look at your notes and make much thought. Like, sure, look at your notes a bit. Try to remember. Like, notes help you at the beginning of a session to remember what happened last time. Yeah, to get back into the groove again. Yeah, that's also very important in taking notes. You, you can easily get into what happened last time. And a G let's just drop the curtain here. GMs love it if a player remembers stuff from last session because they yeah. don't have to repeat it. Because they will remember it because they put the time and effort in preparing that next session depending on the last session. And if a player, like many people say, right, right, I, I do my recaps myself. I recap my players. Other people say, yeah. let your players do it. My players, sometimes they get too hung up on some details. It just doesn't didn't work for us, but it's not a, not a problem. If a player wants to do the recap, let them do that because that basically means they are confident enough to tell you what happened last time. And most of the time, if they're confident enough, they will also tell you the right thing. That shows they paid attention, right? Note-taking shows you pay attention to your GM. And let me tell you, 
from the beginning, right? The phone is not a distraction, but paying attention is one of the most important parts of playing. Exactly. Because one thing every GM loves is a player that pays attention. Yeah. Because without them, we can't play the game. Exactly. And the time we invested is just gone. Uh, the thing is, I, I have, I think, one last question for you. Yeah. And that is, we talked a bit about already how it helps you remember, how it helps you play the character. But is there anything else that helps you as a player? Why, why, what note-taking helps with? Is there something else? Personally, it helps me focus on the game. Mm -hmm. And I like the theory crafting thing. So it helps me keep myself invested in yeah. the character itself and in the game as a whole mm. but yeah that's yeah <laughs> okay. it, it, extract information keep me interested and keep me engaged yeah this is these are the reasons why i take notes mm. yeah I, i would say i take notes especially to keep me engaged and to help me remember stuff help me figure out what my character thinks mm. the thing is about right i, I said in the beginning my, my notes are cryptic as fuck i write down words not sentences or something right yeah bullet points but even not that i write down words like i have we were on a ship and got, got into a storm and what i wrote down is ship storm and yeah <laughs> like i can figure that out because that's how i write the notes and th that's the most important th that's the part what we talked about note taking shouldn't uh, distract you from paying attention it should help you so you exactly. need to extract the important information so you can write down simple things simple quick things that actually mean something for you even later on and you need to find out what helps you what you need to write down so you can remember in the next time right you don't even only need to write down the information you get you need to also figure out how you need to how you can write that information down with the least amount of words to actually get uh the to actually stay engaged right because if you still exactly. if you write down a full sentence or a full paragraph you will not pay attention in that time so if i only need two words to write a three instead of writing three sentences like some people would need to describe that storm i have won <laughs> against them right yeah. i i have paid more attention than them probably so and, and this is the reason why we say taking notes is a skill that you need to learn it's not something you can mm -hmm. do right off the bat so you need to yeah. learn how to how you can paraphrase what was just described in one or two words back to you okay to summarize what we've talked about in this is note taking is supposed to help you pay attention and play the game it's not necessary at the table it never should be but it's definitely a good thing to have so if you have a note taking player thank them for taking notes gms if you have a note taking player with you players thank them for taking notes if you are the note taking player thank you <laughs> so exactly again the thing is note taking is supposed to help you it's not supposed to distract you it's learn how to extract information that you've been given that that helps you remember later on and helps you piece things together try to get a structure for your notes that's important and um, make sure you spend the least amount of time in your notes so noting is about optimizing uh, to summarize it yeah you need to get into you need to extract information from a big load of information that's optimizing you need to optimize how you put those notes those information on the paper in length and in structure that's optimizing and you need to optimize with a future side with with a, with a uh, with a look into the future you need to remember you need these notes need to make sense in six weeks not exactly. now now they will make sense but in six weeks they also need to make sense so yeah try to if you want to take notes just try it you will get better at it over time that's about it yeah so you can 
follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DoubleDMPod. You can listen to our podcast everywhere you listen to your podcasts, like you do right now. You can also donate to us on Ko-Fi. The link will also be in the description for that. You can check out our website, doubledm.com, where we will have a blog. They will be updated in a few weeks or something. I don't know yet. There will be something. And the web website will be updated all the time. You can... Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Check out... Definitely check out our Twitter for updates on our upcoming actual play Titans call and everything about that. And with that, I think we're done here, right? Yeah, we are. Thank you guys for listening. Hear you on the next one. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.